excellent practical information to diversify your donor database by gaining a greater understanding of charitable giving by Muslim Americans. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Sharik Sadiq. Sharik is the director of the Muslim Philanthropy Institute, where he conducts research around the world on philanthropic behaviors in the Muslim communities and also teaches on our academic faculty. And Sharik, always a delight to have you with us on the fundraising. It's wonderful to be part of this podcast as well. I, I listen religiously. And we also are so fortunate to have you as a member of our uh, faculty on the fundraising school as you're also leading the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative and tending to your research and teaching of academic courses. So a study is out, the Muslim American charitable giving, a study that is tracking uh, the charitable giving from Muslim American neighbors and then doing some comparisons. What did the study find? Sure. So we did a study in partnership with Islamic Relief, and we used the polling company that CNN uses, SSRS, and we went out and looked at a representative sample of 1,005 Muslims and 1,000 Americans. And we asked them a bunch of questions about giving, how much they give, when they give, and what motivates them to give. And the interesting thing we found is that American Muslims, despite being poorer than the national average, Mm. despite being only 1% of the population, actually give more than the general household. And they actually give 4.3, they gave $4.3 billion two years ago. We, it's an, it was, study was in 2020. So $4.3 billion in 2020. What's interesting and surprised many is that 85% of that giving stays in the United States. Mm. Only 15% goes outside of the country. And another interesting finding that is that half of the money goes to non-Muslim-led organizations. So if you're an organization that doesn't have a Muslim board, doesn't have Muslim staff, may not see itself as being a Muslim organization, and you're thinking Muslims aren't going to give to me, you're wrong. Muslims do give to you, but they want to be asked. And when you say that the Muslim American household donates more than the typical non-Muslim household, are you talking about total dollar amount? Or are you talking about percentage of income? What, what is that comparison? It is a percentage of their income on one side, but even in if you were to aggregate the general household giving in the United States, it's around $1,000, 900 to $1,000. Religiously observant people give more, right? And then if you're secular, so it averages out to around $900. Muslim Americans double that. So the average American Muslim household gives around a couple of thousand dollars away to uh, uh, to to ch- charity and uh, philanthropy in the United States. Now, I have learned from you throughout our years working together about the Muslim faith and the Muslim culture and the whole teaching of zakat. Uh, for the sake of our audience who maybe are not aware of that uh, teaching, uh, what does zakat teach? And then how does that tie into the findings of this study? Sure. So when Muslims are, Muslims are required to do four or five things. It's an obligation that they have to do. And and it's part of being part of the membership of being a Muslim. And one of them is praying. One of them is to believe in God, but one of them is to fast. One is to do a Hajj if you can afford it, go to pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia. And one of those categories is to give zakat. And zakat in essence is two and a half percent of the surplus wealth that you have it should be given to charity to one of eight causes. And one of the interesting things that we learned, there's many debates about zakat in America, but a couple of important findings for fundraisers. One, Muslims make decisions about zakat not in December. They make it during Ramadan. So if you don't know when Ramadan is, which was in April this uh, in 2022, 
then you've missed the boat. If you go to them in December, they've already made the decisions on zakat. So one thing is Muslims want to give zakat or make decisions about zakat during Ramadan. The second thing that we found is that if you think that Muslims are not going to give to you because your organization is not a Muslim-led organization, you're wrong. Zakat, in our study, people said they are looking for organizations to ask them based on what they believe zakat should go to, the poor, the refugees, the needy, all of those causes that are important. So Muslims say when you ask, and if you make the case that what you are asking money for aligns with their religious values, not in terms of you being a religious organization, but what they are expected to do in terms of their religion, they're more likely to give to. And those organizations that are doing that are engaging with that. And so zakat is an important piece. And it's probably, it's nearly half of Muslim philanthropy of that $4.3 billion is, is zakat money. The Muslim faith is teaching zakat. The Muslim American culture uh, is active with charitable giving. Uh, it could be set at two and a half percent. Maybe that's a starting point. Maybe that's a floor for some folks and they give above and beyond that. Maybe it is that ceiling, that uh, percentage that they're aiming for. And Shark, I know in terms of this comparison from our Giving USA data, it's something like the average household in the United States that donates, not including the ones that don't donate, but the ones that do donate, it's about 2%. So again, you're seeing this comparison uh, in terms of our neighbors who are Muslim American. Absolutely. And one of the interesting things, and I think you make an important point, one is what is obligated? What are you required to do? That's two and a half percent. But the, there's a non-obligatory portion, which is called sadaqa, which is actually the bigger part, which means that is about giving your time is sadaqa. If you smile to make the world a better place, that is sadaqa. If you give money beyond your obligation, that is sadaqa. If you're about to say or do something that's going to cause harm and you don't, that's sadaqa. And in our new study that we've just released two weeks ago, Muslim American donors said, we want fundraisers to engage with us in all of the things. We don't want them to just ask us for money. We want to have those don fundraisers come and talk to us about how we can smile, how we can volunteer our time, how we can use our voice, how can we engage, how can we change our lifestyle around the cause that this nonprofit thinks is important. And money is just one part of that equation. And that is where the transformational gifts and giving relationships occur. And at the fundraising school, as you know so well, as you teach for us, we do talk about engaging with the entire person, not seeing somebody only as uh, someone who can make a financial donation, even though as fundraisers, that's our job. Uh, you know, Shark, what advice do you have in that regard for folks who are not in the Muslim culture, not in the Muslim faith, on how they can try to cross those lines of distinction to build those relationships? Absolutely. First of all, I think you take a fundraising school course because we have a donor center paradigm. I say that because I'm an alum of the fundraising school. It's how I learned my craft before, way long before I became a faculty member. And we have a donor centered paradigm. And what Muslim donors are telling us in the United States, we want to be at the center of your paradigm. Not that you, you know, not that we want you to put our names on billboards and so on. The point is we want to engage with our values. So before you come talk to us, we want you to know what is important to us. Don't invite us to an event which is going to serve alcohol, for example, or don't invite us to a lunch during the month of Ramadan, right? So those are some things learn about us. That's the first thing, because that shows that you're interested in us, not just our money, right? Who we are. The second piece of it is don't assume any two Muslims are alike. Some Muslims will, will wear the hijab like my wife does. 
and some will not. They won't wear their headscarf like my daughter does. So Ooh. just because one household may have someone who has certain religious values, they may the religious values may be different. So understand that Muslims are diverse. The final piece of it is that American Muslims are highly diverse. We are African-Americans, Arabs, Latinos, and, and so on. But no one group is a majority, which means that you can't say, okay, I'm going to study Arabs, and then if whatever Arab culture teaches me, I'm going to base my relationship with this donor that's Muslim based on Arab culture. That is it, because there is no dominant culture because no one ethnic group is a majority. And then the final thing I would share is that come to the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative website, and we have a number of resources, in turn, including this study, which is available free, which goes in and dives deeper into who American Muslims are, how they give, and why they give. And that is such great practical advice. And, and I know we've both had the good fortune of working alongside Dr. Lilia Wagner and her AFP award-winning book, Diversity and Philanthropy. You know, Shark, her advice is really straightforward. If you don't know, come forward with humility, admit what you don't know, and just ask. And, and I can tell you in my own fundraising career, a little bit of hesitancy early on in my career, but just being able to uh, speak with somebody with a different demographic background, a different culture, a different religious belief is just to say, teach me, help me to understand. I don't. I have never been rebuffed in that request. It's always been warmly welcomed. And it sounds like that's consistent with the advice you're giving us here today. Absolutely. As fundraisers, we have to build relationships and we build relationships around the people before. They need to see a part of us and we need to see part of them. And asking about them and learning about them, including the things that we don't know about and talking about most people are, are really comfortable talking about their faith, their family, right? This is what we learn about in the fundraising course. So we should be, we should be vulnerable enough to go to people and say, tell us about you and be open enough to say, this is what I believe in. And I think within that, we'll find a lot of commonality, especially around this really sacred tradition of giving that is not just about Muslims, but it's an American tradition, but it, it, trans, it transcends across many religions. And a couple more uh, findings from the study and the sample size and, and how you did your analysis. When we're thinking about Muslim Americans, you're looking both at Muslim Americans who are religiously observant, and those who are not, and yet the findings are consistent. Is that correct? That's exactly right. What we're finding is it was a representative sample. So basically, we looked at a cross sample of Muslims, religiously observant and non. And one of the interesting things we found is that even people that are not religiously observant in a traditional sense, like giving zakat. In fact, zakat of the five pillars of Islam is the most popular pillar, mm -hmm. right? And so it's interesting, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, Bill, I don't know the answer of why. That's going to be next year's questions. But I think that says something about the power of philanthropy and charity and the ability for people to find values in their religion that further their, their, their vision of this world. And so, but even in their case, even non-observant Muslims give zakat. Even non-observant Muslims are willing to sort of engage in smiling and other forms of philanthropy to inform their vision of social good. And Shark, in terms of the destination of these gifts, some Muslims, especially those religiously observant, might give entirely to the mosque or to the specific Islamic or Muslim organization. But I also heard you say at the beginning, not necessarily the case, that uh, these donations could go to a wide range of nonprofits, including secular organizations. W within that 
giving us a pie chart of the nine subsectors? Uh, are there some that are more predominant amongst our Muslim American neighbors? Absolutely. The one thing I'll share with you is Muslims are less likely to give to a house of worship than any other faith community in America. Hmm. But Muslims are more likely to give to causes of domestic poverty than any other faith community in America. So if you are an organization that has a food kitchen, that are taking care of the poor, that can make that case, you're at the top of the list. Next is if you're an organization that is, is trying to do poverty alleviation outside of the United States, you're, another, you're, you're the second uh, most important organization. The third, if you're an educational institution, if you're about children or universities or creating that, that's another important priority. And then the fourth one, and this is a lot of connections between Jewish Americans and American Muslims, is civil rights. If you're an organization like the ACLU or, or one of these organizations that goes out and fights for civil rights for Americans, all Americans, not just for Muslim Americans, you're, you're, in the, you're, you're another priority with Muslim Americans. These are probably the four big priorities for, or for, uh, for organizations. With, and what's interesting is whether Muslims give to Muslim organizations or secular organizations, their priorities don't change. Poverty, international poverty, education, civil rights. Shark, let's tag team the, the website. I know for the university, for the school of philanthropy, it's philanthropy.iupui. Edu. Where do we find the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative? You go to institutes, go to Lake Institute, and underneath the Lake Institute, it's the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative, and all of our reports are there. Now, right next door to institutes is professional development, and that's where folks are going to find the fundraising school, our public courses that are in more and more United States cities with in-person teaching. We're adding more cities and more in-person classes all the time. But you've also told us you fell in love with online learning. And so we have plenty of online options, both asynchronous, meaning recorded, and synchronous, meaning live and virtual. Now, we can also bring you custom training to your nonprofit, your association, your region, anywhere in the United States and anywhere across the world. We have our quarterly webinars and, of course, these free weekly podcasts, philanthropy.iupui.edu. Look under Institutes, find the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving, and that is where uh, is the residence of the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative and uh, this excellent research and this good practical advice for fundraisers. And then under the Professional Development tab, you will find the Fundraising School. One of our cherished faculty members is Dr. Shark Sadiq, who runs the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Thank you.